Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. Scripture reading this morning will be from Psalms 91, 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Good morning, West Huntsville family. I always appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to speak, and especially on a, on a day like today when we like to focus on our, our youth program and the members of our youth. So if you will indulge me, I'm going to be speaking directly to this group of young people over here, not to make you guys super uncomfortable, but uh, you are more than welcome to listen in. But I do hope that it will encourage, I do hope that it will encourage all of us uh, this morning, I, and I appreciate Stephen leading the songs to help us prepare and kind of set up what I want to focus our minds on this morning. Um, if you've ever been in, in a Bible class that I've taught, you know that I like to ask a lot of questions. Uh, I guess that's just the teacher in me. But I want to start this morning with a, with a question that's on the screen. If someone were to ask you, right, well, who are you? How would you, how would you respond to that question? Um, you know, we, the, the concept of identity is pretty prevalent, gets talked about a lot, you know, in, in culture and just kind of, it's kind of inescapable, whether that's a, a, political, um, a political identity, a racial identity, a gender identity, all of these things, you know, we all, we, we all hear so much of what group do you belong to, Right. And it's, I guess it's natural because we all want to belong. We all have a sense and a desire that we want to fit in in some way with some group of people. And, you know, we, we ask ourselves, why, where does that desire come from? Why is that desire so powerful, right? You know, peer pressure is, you know, that idea of, of using that desire to someone's advantage to get you to conform to a group. Right. And, you know, of course, you know, we're in the age of, of social media that just kind of exacerbates that. Uh, you know, it's it allows us to follow the people that we, you know, are interested in, um, you know, with similar likes and similar interests and all of these things. And we can weed out and block the things that we're not interested in. And, you know, we can custom design our very own digital tribe, if you will. Right? I don't have to deal with anything I don't like. I don't have to deal with anything I disagree with. All I have to do is, you know, I can just tailor this to my own specific preferences. And the likes and the shares and the retweets and all of these things boost our confidence, right? And help us, you know, feel better about ourselves because with every like or share or retweet, that means someone out there affirmed something that I said something that I posted, all of that stuff. We change the way we talk, we change the way we dress, we change the way we act, all in an effort sometimes to find a way to belong to a group of what we think are like-minded people. And we do that because we all want to be able to answer that question. 
We all want to know, we all want to know who we are because being in a group gives us a little bit of comfort, right? Because we know that there, in a lot of ways, there is safety in numbers, right? So the next question is, are you safe? Are you safe in that group that you are participating with? That group that you're with, the ones that influence your vocabulary, your clothes, your music, your social media, all of those things, are you completely safe with that group? Is that group that you're spending time with? Is that group that you're longing to be a part of? Is that group that you're putting your identity alongside? Is that a group that's going to help you get to heaven? Or is that a group that is going to celebrate when you decide to let loose a little bit and compromise your faith? So who, we talk about who we belong to, right? Well, the, the question of who do you really belong to Hopefully, hopefully that we don't ever forget that we belong to the Lord, first and, for, for, first and foremost. Before any friends, before any family, before any social media circles, anything, you belong to the Lord. Isaiah 43 and verse 1 says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who forms you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. There are two rights of ownership in that verse, the right of creation and the right of purchase, right? Again, he who created you, number one, for I have redeemed you, number two, right? We belong, we belong to the Lord. First Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So the question of who are you, hopefully, we respond with, well, I belong to Christ. That, that's how I identify myself. I am a Christian because I have been created by God and I have been bought with that price. And if we realize that, when we realize that we belong to Jesus, there is no greater safety, right? No greater comfort, no greater sense of belonging. And then we know who we are, right? So what does it mean to be safe, all right, well, think about where, where, you feel the, where you feel the safest. All right, well, again, we have these groups that we, that, we, that we put our lot in with, if you will, because it gives us this sense of comfort. Right? But there is no greater safety than being where Jesus is. Right? For the Christian, safety comes from being wherever he is. The farther we get from Jesus, the more unsafe we are. Right? So we're going to spend a few minutes this morning talking about this, uh, this hymn that we're going to sing as our invitation song, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. The words were written by Fanny Crosby. Uh, many of our songs in our songbook were written by Fanny Crosby. An interesting story about how this hymn came to be. Uh, a friend of hers was on his way back to Cincinnati for a Sunday school convention, and he had about 40 minutes to catch his train. And he stopped by uh, to see uh, Ms. Crosby. And he said, I have about 40 minutes until I have to get back. I would love to take a hymn with me to this Sunday school convention. And um, as you know, uh, you, may, you may not know, Fanny Crosby was, was blind and uh, was unable. So she had a secretary there to, to assist her. But he played for her the tune that he had been working on. And her response was, oh, well, that... That says safe in the arms of Jesus. 
And, and he said, well, you know, Ms. Crosby, I've only, got about, I've only got about 30 minutes left. Is it possible? And she said, you'll have your hymn. So she went in another room with her secretary and came out and safe in the arms of Jesus was pinned. And that's how we have, that's how we have this hymn. So um, in the second verse, we're going to take, we're going to take lines from the second verse of that hymn and talk about and develop what it really means to be safe where Jesus is, to be safe in the arms of Jesus. In the second verse, we have the line safe from corroding care. That's, that's number one, safe from corroding care. It's the idea of being free from worry, right? Free from the social pressures of trying to do whatever it takes for the approval of others. You know, we, you know, it, you know we, we've all heard the saying, comparison is the thief of joy. We feel like we constantly compare ourselves to those around us. And again, social media just exacerbates that, right? Social anxiety is real, of course, and the, the fact that we are constantly connected now makes it even harder to manage. Um, and it's like we, it's like we can't, we can't escape. Um, you know, we, we're, again, constantly comparing ourselves. We can't turn off the phone and stop looking because we're afraid we might miss something. Um, we want to know everything about everyone else, but everyone else knowing everything about us scares us to death, right? We compare what we know about ourselves to only what's revealed to us while um, we, we live in this constant state because we know everything about ourselves and we're comparing that to someone else's best presentation. We just sang a few minutes ago um, a, a hymn that came from this verse, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 29. Come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so we're probably familiar with what a yoke is used to manage beasts of burden for farm work, you know, all, all of those things. And we think about, you know, Jesus is telling us to take his yoke. All right, well, in order to do that, in, in order to take his yoke and put that upon us, we're going to have to take off our own burden. We're going to have to take off whatever we have bound ourselves to. If we're going to bind ourselves to him, we've got to take off what is, what is burdening and binding us to this world. Okay? But in order to do that, we can't keep our sins and be in his presence. And why is that hard? Well, let's be honest. We like our sins because sin is selfish. right? And serving ourselves. We like that because that's, that's what selfishness is. But we can't pick up that yoke and put it on. We can't bind ourselves to Jesus. We can't be where he is and be in the safety of his presence if we are clinging to our own sin. We can't keep our sins and be in a secure relationship to the Lord. And what sin is worth keeping and then losing the safety of that assured salvation? Number two, safe from the world's temptations. We fall to temptation. We fall to temptation because we allow ourselves to be deceived. We're deceived into believing that what we want is better than what God wants for us, right? And we think about, we think about the way Satan works, and he's a deceiver. He's a liar. Um, and even from the beginning, this has been his primary method of attack. And in my, in my opinion, it comes in two phases, right? Number one, 
his first phase of attack is to convince you to doubt the word of God. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 when Satan enters the scene for the first time, if you will. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So again, step number one is to get you to doubt the word of God. Think about how many times in some iteration the idea of, well, did did God really say? Did he really mean? Did God really want you to do this? Did God really say that? Did God actually, right? If he can get us to doubt the word of God, then step two, step two becomes much easier. Step two is to convince us to put ourselves in God's place, making our own decisions instead of obeying him. Genesis 3, drop down to verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Step one, doubt the word of God. Step two, put yourself in his place. After that, he can convince you to do whatever it is that you want to. Okay? But when we bind ourselves, and that's really what we're talking about, again, taking that yoke upon us, when we bind ourselves to Jesus and have his word deep in our hearts, we have the tools to resist and overcome temptation. Now, it's very, very important that we all understand, especially our young people, when we're, when we're growing up, trying to figure out who we are, who we're going to be, and all this stuff, it's very, very important to understand you are not your sin. Your sin is not who you are. That is not your identity, right? Through faith, through prayer, God's grace, any sin can be overcome and any temptation resisted, right? Again, the world would have us define ourselves by our sin, right? That is not, that is not how God wants us to define ourselves. God wants us to define ourselves as the redeemed, as his creation, his chosen people. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch this. And such were some of you. It's a pretty heavy list of stuff. Nobody wants to be named in that list of stuff. Right? But he says, Paul writes, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified, and there's your identity. There's who you are. Not the previous list. Who you are are the washed, the sanctified, the justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Line number three sin cannot harm me there. Being in Christ and binding ourselves to him doesn't mean that we will never sin, obviously. It doesn't mean that we will be immune to sin, but it does mean that our sins can be forgiven and not held against us to our spiritual harm. When we read in Psalm 32, verses 1 through 2, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. There's no greater gift than to have your sins forgiven. There's no greater knowledge of knowing who I am. Who am I? I am a forgiven child of God. 
Our sins can be forgiven, erasing the debt that we owe and removing the spiritual harm that comes from sin. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. But it's not automatic. We still have a responsibility, right? We can't have our sins forgiven without repentance. We think about what is repentance. And, you know, it's, it's a change of mind that brings about a change of action. Cool, awesome. What does that actually look like? I think a great, I think a great illustration, I think a great example of what repentance looks like, and there are many, obviously, in the Bible, but I really like Acts 19. <clears throat> Acts 19 and verses 18 and 19. Um, also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. These were the ones that were, you know, practicing spells and magic and witchcraft, you know, all of that stuff. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. That is repentance. Right? It's not just saying, I'm going to do better. It's actually doing better and separating yourself. Right? Laying aside every weight that would hold us back. Right? And when we talk about 50,000 pieces of silver, you know, looking and, and trying to ascertain about how much that would be. And you know, as you can expect, you know, there's, there's various, various calculations based on historical you know, things and things like whether it's related to the denarius or related to the drachma and all of that stuff. Some commentators you know, point to maybe, maybe $150,000-ish. You know, doesn't matter. I don't know what the dollar amount is. I do know that this is 50,000 pieces of silver worth, and Jesus was betrayed for 30. I know that this is a whole lot of money. And they burned it. They set it on fire in their effort to repent, to be faithful to the Lord. That is what repentance looks like. Line number four. Free from the blight of sorrow. When we devote ourselves to him, living faithfully in Christ, that is the best life anyone can live. The young people have heard me say this, and I will keep saying it as a reminder to them, as a reminder to myself, you will never regret a decision that draws you closer to God. You will absolutely come to regret the opposite. You will never regret a decision that draws you closer to God. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Are we going to fall short? Yes. Are we going to mess up? Are we going to sin? Yes. Okay. But the guilt of that sin does not have to linger because we know we can be forgiven. And we know that we are forgiven. That is the assurance of verses like 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That is an ongoing process. As long as we are walking, he is cleansing Right? Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It is there. The world doesn't offer that. The world can't offer that. The world can only offer fleeting pleasure for a limited time. You know why? Worldly idols cannot bear the weight of our worship. Bottom line. 
I wish that was a, I wish that was an original thought with me, but when I read that for the first time, it really, really sunk in that the things we give our attention to, the things that we devote our time to, the things that we devote ourselves to, all of those worldly idols will fail us. You can give them anything and everything they want, and it will only result in ruin. The only the only thing that can bear the weight of our total and complete devotion and worship is Jehovah God. He will never fail you. You will never regret giving your entire life over to Jehovah God, right? Because he is the only one that can bear the weight of our worship. So what are we giving our devotion to? What are we identifying ourselves as as we give our devotion? When we, when we ask ourselves and we answer that question of who are you? Well, who you are involves what you do, what you give your allegiance to, what you give your time to, what you worship. And if you're not worshiping the right thing, that thing will fail you 100% of the time. Line number five, free from doubts and fears. Doubting that we will be provided for and being afraid of the future is the opposite of what God wants for us, right? Doubt is, is something that we all have to work on, I'm sure, and we have to push out of our mind because it's easy, right? Those doubts and fears grow into a desire to take things into our own hands, right? And then we take things into our own hands, and then it becomes about us and not about trusting and putting our faith and, and hope in the Lord. Right? Being in Christ gives us that hope. Lamentations 3.24, right? The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. And we've, you know, making sure that we understand that this, this hope is not like a worldly hope, right? And young people, you should hopefully remember one of the lessons from, from camp this past summer when we went through the, the seven ones, which by the way, let me, let me, let me, let me just get onto them real quick. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, there was a question in KidSing about Ephesians 4 and nobody knew it. Never mind the fact that just a couple of months ago, that was the camp theme. So you've all got detention. Okay. When we go through the seven ones and we talk about there is one hope, it's not a fingers crossed, man, I really hope this happens. Right. It is an assurance it is an expectation because we know who God is and we can expect him to deliver on his promises. That is real hope and that is assurance. That is safety and security that we're talking about. Being in Christ gives us the confidence of knowing that we will be taken care of. And again, the world, the world can't offer you that. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may be, receive mercy and find grace to help him in time, uh, to help in time of need. Later on in Hebrews 10, 35 and 36, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Is God a promise keeper? Absolutely. That's where that hope comes from. We have hope and we have that expectation because God keeps his promises. 1 John 5 and verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we're going to ask ourselves a question again, who are you? Well, we identify, hopefully, 
hopefully we say, well, I'm a Christian, right? I belong to Jesus. He bought me, right? I was created by him and for him, and he bought me. And we want that kind of assurance, and we, we need to remind ourselves of that kind of assurance. And we ask, okay, well, how, how, how can we get that? Where does it come from? How can we secure this kind of safety? Because we all want it. We all want to know that we know. God wants us to know. He wants us to be sure, to have that assurance. Right? Well, again, you know, Ms. Crosby, as she continued writing, I think a great answer to that question is found in the third verse of that hymn. And it reads like this. Jesus, my heart's dear refuge, Jesus has died for me. Firm on the rock of ages, ever my trust shall be. Here let me wait with patience. Wait till the night is o'er. Wait till I see the morning break on the golden shore. That... That is how we are safe in the arms of Jesus. How can we know that we know? Because we give ourselves to him. We bind ourselves to him. We put put his yoke on us, and we set aside everything and anything that would separate us from the Lord. The world cannot offer you the assurance and the hope and the security that God, through Jesus, has offered to his people. Right? So bind yourself to Jesus. Is God your God? Is Jesus your king? Is he your Lord? Right? Or is it just in name only? Is it just a ceremonial office? I hope not. Right? Trust, trust Jesus. Obey him. Bind yourself to him. Stop trying to find earthly things and relationships to place him because we know, we know that all those earthly things will fail. So short answer, be a Christian. In every sense of the word, in every sense of the word, the New Testament lays it out, follow his word, because that is where the safety and the security is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So the question that we started with is the question we're going to end with. Who are you? If you can't answer that question with, I'm a Christian, then I hope, I hope you'll change that right now. Right now. Because as the scriptures teach, there is no security. There is no redemption. There is no forgiveness of sins outside of Christ. Ephesians 1 is very clear that the only way to have that is to be in Christ. How can we be in Christ? Romans 6, 3, Galatians 3, we are baptized into Christ. Obey the gospel this morning. If you can't answer that question with the words, I am a Christian, obey the gospel this morning. Put on Christ so that you can answer and say, I'm bought, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I'm a child of God. Or maybe you have done that and you've realized, I've I've walked away from that security. I've walked away from the safety of binding myself to Jesus and I need to get back. I need to put that yoke back on and bind myself to him. If you have need, you need the prayers of the family here, I know that we will be more than willing to pray with you and for you. If anyone has any need of the Lord's invitation this morning, please come while we stand and while we sing. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 
1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.